Welcome to the Boss in Heels podcast with your host, Lara Nassessian, the podcast that shares the mindset, habits, tools, and tactics of inspiring women. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Boss in Hills podcast. I'm so happy to be here with each of you today and to do a solo episode, which I feel like is quite timely for this time of year, and that is how to avoid end of year burnout. The feeling of burnout is real, you guys. I feel like it gets to a certain point in the year where we all just get so exhausted. And particularly if you are in Sydney, if you live in Australia and also certain other parts of the world where we have gone through extended lockdowns, we've moved to very much a virtual world and virtual way of working. And I don't know about you guys, but I am so over the Zoom meetings. I think that they have well and truly The novelty has worn off and you just get exhausted from looking and talking into a screen all day, every day. And so the strategies that I'm going to share with you today are to help you to avoid Zoom fatigue, Zoom burnout, and also that end of year burnout, which I think a lot of us are really feeling and experiencing. So I can't wait to share those strategies with you. Before we do delve into today's episode, though, if you guys are enjoying the show, the best way that you can show your support is to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and also to recommend it to a friend, family member, someone in your network who you know will love listening to this episode and value it and take something away from it. And also to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Hills underscore so that I can reshare your beautiful posts. It really does make the biggest difference to the podcast and it makes sure that we are able to keep doing the podcast, keep producing new episodes each and every week and also make sure that we are reaching the right audiences and providing value to people who really enjoy it and need it the most. So with that being said, I am going to get stuck into today's episode, which like I said, is all about my five key strategies to avoid end of year burnout. So like I mentioned in my intro, the end of the year is fast approaching and it always kind of feels like things kind of ramp up before they ramp down and before we're able to enjoy a break over Christmas and get some downtime in. The demands of work and life always seem to really escalate and kind of come to that all-time high. And we really do then, like I said, we look forward to that time that we can really rest, rejuvenate, recharge our batteries. Um But certainly there's a level of pressure to cope with the various demands of our life, whether it's our, you know, roles, whether it's our businesses that we're running, whether it's the pressure of having to homeschool your kids and also manage a full-time job. Like if you are doing that, power to you. I don't know how anyone does it, but it's amazing that you can even just, you know, get through the days and get through the weeks. So, um, a lot of extra pressure being put on us um, that we may not normally feel. And I think it's really important to call out that this is not a normal environment. This is not 
a normal way of working and being in extended lockdowns is not normal. And we all do need human interaction. We all need that social interaction. It's a basic human need, but also to put the kind of pressure on, especially parents with young kids. I mean, we're not teachers. You're not teachers. Um, you didn't go and study to become a teacher and sign up to do that as your career. So, the fact that you are having to take on all of these additional responsibilities in addition to whatever your normal day-to-day pressures and roles and requests and expectations are, it's huge, right? And I think that we can't really underestimate the magnitude of what that pressure is and how much is being asked of people in general at the moment. So, certainly is a lot more pressure um, and certainly kind of calls for some real strategies to be put in place so that we can look after ourselves, so that we can really safeguard ourselves, um, reduce, you know, the chance and likelihood of that real burnout feeling because when you get to that point of being completely exhausted and worn out, you're not going to be good for anyone at that point. And so, we really want to try and reduce. And I always say this, you know, prevention is always better than cure. And if there's certain practices that we can put in place to really reduce those chances of really crashing and burning, then absolutely we need to look for ways to kind of build that into our days and our lives. So, the first strategy that I wanted to share and possibly the most important one, which I'm going to talk about in today's episode, is the importance of saying no. (laughs) Saying no, it seems so simple and yet it is so difficult for so many of us, myself included. It is not easy. It is not easy when you are wired towards being more of a people pleaser, when you've been conditioned to being a people pleaser, when you're someone who wants to really say yes to people, you want to help people, you don't want to let people down, you don't want to upset people, you don't want to offend people. However, I've learned the hard way time and time again that the more we say yes, every time we're saying yes to something we're saying no to something else. Even if that no is saying no to to ourselves or time for ourselves or time to self-care, you're still choosing that thing over yourself. And so, it's really easy for us to really get kind of caught up in wanting to be everyone to everything, wanting to be everywhere all the time. And unfortunately, it's just not possible and something's got to give at some point. And so, saying no is very challenging and I acknowledge that. And that's why if you listen to the episodes with my guests, this is a question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show is what are you getting better at saying no to? And do you have any strategies to say no for people that really struggle to say no? Because I realize and recognize that this is such a real challenge for so many of us, myself included. So, It is difficult. It's challenging. However, it's one of the most empowering practices that you could develop. And so, you know, for me personally, you know, there's so many occasions where I've wanted to say yes to every single invitation, request, opportunity. Um, But I realized, you know, 
there is a time that you do need to draw some clear boundaries and draw that line in the sand and learn to say no to people and things that aren't in line with your goals, people who aren't in line with what kind of lights you up, people that not making you happy, things that aren't fulfilling or enjoyable, things that are just not in line with who you are and where you want to go. So I guess the biggest sort of message that I want to get across is to really be clear and intentional with what you say yes to and also to be really clear on what you say no to. So one of the beneficial practices which has really helped me with this is to sit down and actually create a not-to-do list of all of the things that I don't want to do and all of the things which I'm not going to do and I'm not going to make time for. So, for example, I have a no coffee meeting policy whereby if I receive coffee meeting requests on LinkedIn or email or any other channel, it's an immediate no um, unless it is directly related to a particular project or initiative that I'm working on or unless it has to do with like sort of meeting up with a potential podcast guest for this show, which is very intentional. All of these meeting requests, as as much as I would love to make the time to connect with people, to talk to different people, I just don't have the time because every time I'm saying yes to someone that's probably at least an hour of my time gone, even if it's like a 30-minute meeting, it's still the pre-time, the post-time, the prep time, the energy, um, all of those kinds of things. It's the the what I missed out on doing during that 30 minutes, um, which could have helped me do something in my career or helped drive my business forward or do something more impactful. I mean, if there's not a clear purpose and intention and if it's not in line with my goals, it's a no. And that's something that I find actually having a policy about has been really helpful when it comes to saying no, because I receive so many requests to have virtual coffee meetings through LinkedIn and Instagram and email. And if I said yes to all of those invitations and requests, I would fill up my entire work week just having coffee meetings with people. And the question I have to ask myself is, is that in line, is that going to help me drive my business forward? Is that going to help me make an impact in terms of my career and the work that I'm doing? Yes or no? And just to connect and meet with someone sounds really nice, but I just don't have the time for it. And so what I found is really helpful is having a policy. So Rather than me having to think about, am I going to say yes to this person or no to this person and using the energy and the time to consider that request every single time one of those requests comes through, by having a not to do list and by having a policy, I'm really clear that that's not something that I do. And so a really easy and gentler way to be able to turn down those types of requests is to write back to the person and say, as much as I would love to meet with them and love to have a coffee meeting with them. I actually have a no virtual meeting policy at the moment. I have a no coffee meeting policy and 
people respond more to um, having a policy rather than just saying, sorry, I'm not going to meet with you because it's then policy and it's not personal and it's easier to kind of let that person down gently by blaming it on your policy rather than making it something personal about them because it's not personal and it goes across the board. So I'm not just saying no to them. I'm saying no to coffee meetings in general. And I find that people really then respect those boundaries and they understand and they get it. And a lot of the time people will respond to that and they'll actually say, Lara, I actually really respect the boundaries that you have in place. So I get it. And, you know, if you change your policy in the near future, then, you know, I'm here whenever you're ready. And I'm like, amazing. You know, that's so understanding. And it's really helped me to reframe what's important for me and reprioritize the big needle moving items and the impactful work and the things that are going to be more effective uses of my time rather than filling up my calendar, doing the busy work and just having fluffy meetings with no clear purpose, no clear agenda um, or someone trying to sell something to me can't do it, just cannot afford it. So I become pretty ruthless about that. However, at the people pleaser in me, it's still a work in progress. And I'm not going to say it's easy, but I will say I'm getting better at it. And I will say that having a policy is really important as well. I think particularly kind of like as we move into the more social part of the year, um, you know, we tend to, and I know it's difficult now because we're sort of still in this lockdown period in Sydney, um, but, you know, there will come a point that we'll start to get more invitations, whether it's to Christmas parties or social events or Zoom things or meetings or whatever. And I think it's just really important to set those boundaries for you yourself now. And so when you do go into these next kind of final couple of months of the year, you're really intentional and really clear in terms of what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. So the first strategy is to work on saying no and to develop some sort of policy or um, framework for being able to say no. The second strategy that I wanted to share to avoid end of year burnout is to really utilize your Outlook and your iPhone calendars. I am constantly in the pursuit of trying to refine my routine, my schedule, and my ways of working. I am constantly looking for ways that I can optimize my routine so that I'm not having to work as hard, um, but still make a big impact. And so I'm really looking for ways that I can work smarter and not necessarily harder. So I, for so many years, have been notorious for burning the candle at both ends, working six days per week, working really long hours, um, and it just gets to a point that it's not that sustainable anymore. But you also realize by saying these stories to ourselves, by saying these things to ourselves, like, oh, I have to work six days a week. I have to work seven days a week. I have to work 15 hour days. You're not actually looking for smarter ways to work. You're telling yourself these messages about needing to grind and hustle 
Um, however, you're not actually opening yourself up to, well, do I actually need to work 12 hour days or 15 hour days? Or are there things in my schedule that are filling up my time at the moment, which are not impactful and just not a good use of my time? And am I filling up my calendar with busy work or am I filling up my calendar with intentional work? And One of the ways that I was really able to become quite effective in terms of this is to critically analyze my calendar and look at how I'm spending my time each day. What am I doing? How am I filling up my time? At the end of each day, how effective was it out of a rating out of 10 with one being not effective at all and just a waste of a day? and I didn't achieve anything, and 10, having this incredible sense of accomplishment whereby I feel like I'm on top of the world, I've built this really great momentum, I've really been able to um, achieve great outcomes, and I have something to show for it. Um, And that's been a really interesting and important undertaking to really critically evaluate my time. Where is my time going? And if there's opportunities to optimize my time, my routine, I will do it. So my morning routine is foundational to my day. Um, If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then it is no surprise to you that I am a big advocate of having a solid and consistent morning routine. And that really sets my day up for success. And by filling up my cup first, it means that I'm also reducing feelings of burnout because what I do every morning is I am taking time out to self-care and I'm taking time out to really invest in myself and look after myself and fill up my own cup before I have to show up for anyone else. And By doing this, it means that I'm building in a level of balance into my life as well. So I'm not just working all day, every day and on this insane grind, but I'm actually spending the first couple of hours, hours of the day on me for me and I'm filling up my own cup. And so whether that is my, you know, my morning routine where I'm working out or walking in nature, reading, meditating, doing breath work, um, you know, writing in my gratitude journal, sitting in the sun by the ocean with a coffee. Oh my gosh, to start your day in that way, my God, it honestly makes the rest of my day so much better. Um, and even if I end up having a bit of a insane day or a day that doesn't go as well, I already feel better just knowing that I've done these things for myself and I've filled up my cup and I've done things that really bring me this immense sense of joy and gratitude. And I've given myself that time and space um, before I have to show up for anyone else. And that is huge for me. Um, Also building in things like breaks and actually scheduling in every single thing into my calendar. So 
I literally schedule in everything from my morning routine to when I'm having a shower to when I'm taking my lunch break and going for a walk at lunchtime to then my evening wind down routine, evening walk, um, having shower, having dinner, winding down, getting into bed, doing my nightly wind down routine. But also every single meeting, every single commitment, um, time blocked out to just sit down and respond to emails and get back to people. So everything is very much outcome focused and I'm focusing on the output and what is the outcome of these things. And if there's meetings in my calendar which don't serve a purpose, I've actually started pushing back and saying no. And what's the purpose of this meeting? Do I need to make a decision in it? Am I an active contributor in it? Um, or is there something that I genuinely need to, you know, put, um, put time aside for, um, or, um, actively be across something? And if not, um, why am I in it? And so really kind of questioning and pushing back on those things. And so I've gotten a lot better at even just looking at things that are in my calendar from a work perspective and being like, if I don't need to actively contribute, if I don't need to be across this thing, or if I don't um, need to make a decision, why am I in it? And can you just send me an email update after? Let me know where you landed because so many things could be an email rather than a meeting. And a meeting takes a minimum 30 minutes of your time plus the productivity lost during that window. Um, and so just getting really, really specific and prescriptive around what you're going to show up for and what you don't need to be part of and empowering other people if you have a team, if you work with other people, empowering people to sort of take on that role for you and say, hey, I don't need to be in that, but so-and-so from my team can be a part of it. And that person can report back to you if there's something that you need to be across. So I really started really strategically analyzing and scrutinizing my time, um, but really utilizing my calendar in this way and scrutinizing my <laughs> schedule in this way has enabled me to put in some really great practices, um, breaks throughout the day and boundaries to really avoid burnout. So, Everything goes in my calendar, even time to self-care, even free time, everything goes into my calendar. And I feel like by operating in this way, it really has prevented me from being burnt out because since I switched to working this way, I would say that I have reduced the amount of times that I crash and burn like I used to by a good 90%, um, which is huge for me because I used to be like an expert at like burning the candle at both, both ends. Like it's literally like my specialty in life and um, it's not something that is sustainable and it's just not good for you. And you realize, okay, I don't need to be on these insane working weeks and then crash and burn and then try and block out this time to just re recuperate, I can actually build in that self-care during every single day. So I don't have to be on this on or off switch. It doesn't have to be one speed or the other. It could be a combination and finding that sweet spot of what really works for me. And 
that has been quite brown, groundbreaking for me, if I'm being completely honest, because I used to think that I had to grind. I used to think that I had to work really, really hard and really long hours and work six days a week and do all of these things. These were the stories that I was telling myself. But I realized by doing that, I was actually being less productive because I knew that I was going to work till eight or nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. I knew that I was going to work all day on Saturday. And so I would be less effective because I would then procrastinate and I would leave things until Saturday because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to work all day on Saturday anyway. So I'll just add that to the Saturday list. And I'm like, I've actually removed Saturday as a working day from my calendar. And that is huge (laughs) for me because I was doing that for years. And there might be a time when you're building your business and you need to kind of be in that grinding mode and I get the hustle and I get you have to kind of like fit these things in amongst fitting in your full-time job and you know, family commitments and raising kids and all of these kinds of things. But I think there's an expiration date for working in that way. And I think as you go on, you just know, you know, what is going to be the biggest needle moving um, items. And I'm going to put my energy into doing that. And I'm going to do less stuff. But the things that I do do are going to be more impactful. And like a really easy way of me just kind of giving you a real life example of this is for me, stopping writing blog posts once a week, because that's what I used to do for Boston Hills, and use that time to record a podcast or a video or something that's going to create more impact and actually take less time than written articles were taking. And um, are more impactful because people are consuming content more on the fly and people want to, you know, pop their AirPods in and go for a walk or listen to podcasts while they're doing things around home or they're driving and we're multitasking in that way. And I know from my personal experience when I go for walks or things like that, I like to like walk and learn and I like to listen to a podcast while I'm commuting um, rather than sitting down and reading like article after article after article. And reading's got a great place and a great role to play as well. So don't get me wrong. I'm talking just, I've noticed a shift in sort of how my audience consumes content. And so I'm going to shift my ways of working to be in line with that and to spend my time intentionally because what is the point of me spending a couple of hours researching and writing a blog post if I can actually record an episode in less time than that, including my prep time and all of those kinds of things. And mind you, the podcast still takes a lot of time and there is a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes, but I'll talk about it in the next point, which I'm going to cover. So this is like the perfect segue is to learn what tasks to outsource in your life. This has been huge for me because I came to the realization I simply cannot do it all myself. I just do not have the capacity. And when I look at like, say my hourly rate and what I can earn in an hour versus what it would cost to outsource that task, so sometimes it's a fraction 
of that. And they're the kinds of things that it makes sense to outsource where if I outsource this thing and it's a fraction of what I get paid in terms of my hourly rate and it's not something that I specifically need to do, but it's something that someone else could do. And even if that person isn't me, I could still give that that person some guidelines or a framework in which to explain the way that I want it done. That is huge. And so there's definitely certain things which I have started to outsource, including like things like this podcast. So I outsource the research. I outsource a lot of the prep work and then I outsource a lot of the post-production stuff as well. So I don't edit this podcast. I have my incredible podcast producer, Darcy, who does that for me. Um, And yeah, he kind of takes care of that side of things. Then I have someone in my team who will then take that audio, he'll upload it for me, write the episode description and post it on my behalf. And sometimes, yes, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. And so sometimes, admittedly, I still will go in and double check things or make a few tweaks or things like that. But for the most part, does it really matter if that part is done by me or not me? Not really. And for the podcast, I obviously can't outsource the podcast, nor do I want to because it's my podcast and I need to show up on my podcast and I can't outsource this to anyone else, nor do I want to. So they're the things that I'll show up for. And that's how I start to decide how I want to utilize my time. Same things for like things around home. Like I've always been a bit of like a OCD kind of freak and I like things done a certain way. I like things cleaned a certain way. I don't really like people touching my things. Um, yep. I'm a bit of a freak. So, (laughs) um, so this has been a hard thing for me to let go of, but again, when you're able to find good people And sometimes you have to trial and test a few different options and you have to trial and test different services and different people. And then when you find a good person, you hold on to that person. And so I have um, been able to find, you know, someone good to come over and help with things like cleaning. And admittedly, I haven't really needed to have anyone come over just during the lockdown period because I do have a little bit more time and I don't mind doing it so much on the weekend now because we are restricted with what we can do and I don't find that I'm running around on the weekend like a crazy person and then trying to fit in my cleaning on top of that. But generally speaking, you know, paying someone to come and take care of that for me so that I can do something else that I want to be doing during that time or Again, same thing for grocery shopping. It's a little bit different now during lockdown because I actually kind of am enjoying going to the grocery store for the first time ever because I've always felt like it's a waste of time. However, during lockdown, because I do have more time, I found that I'm actually enjoying the process of going in and like handpicking my vegetables and fruit and produce and things that I want to like cook with and getting inspired that way. And that's been a little bit of a different process, but even like things like getting my car washed, I do not wash my own car. I also don't take it to one of those like car wash, um, car washes. 
because, um, well, my husband kind of taught me this, but like they actually sometimes not very good for your car. And if you care about this stuff, which I do, um, but often they end up just washing your car with like dirty water from everyone else's dirt ends up scratching the paint on your car and all these kinds of things. So there's like this like two or three bucket method that my husband taught me about. And like he is very, very, um, very good at washing cars. (laughs) He takes a lot of pride in it. I just don't think it's a good use of time and so I will often get that outsourced and have someone that physically comes over that does this like two or three bucket technique and the way that they wash the car is honestly immaculate and I don't have to go anywhere I don't have to waste my time sitting at one of those car washes and trying to like just be on my phone or just kind of kill 45 minutes to an hour, I'm literally upstairs working and they're downstairs washing the car and they'll just kind of like tell me when they're done and like hand the keys back and it's like done. And so that to me is like something worth outsourcing. So I've just kind of looked at these different things in my life that I was doing before or like um, holding on to and being able to find good people that can come and do these things for me has really given me hours back in my week and hours doing the things that I want to be doing, things that are going to drive my business forward, things that are going to be revenue generating for me um, or even just time back to self-care or spend more quality time with the people that I love or, you know, talking to people that I want to catch up with, um, whether it be friends or family or anything else. But um, that's been a real game changer for me as well. And it's really helped me to eliminate those feelings of burnout because I've been able to get that time back. Time is so valuable and I am willing to pay for that. I'm willing to pay for convenience and I'm willing to pay people so that I can get some time back because time really is our most valuable commodity. And unlike any other commodity, we can always make more money. However, we cannot get our time back. And I really do place a large emphasis and value on my time. So, That is um, sort of the key ways which I have been able to avoid burnout and particularly end of year burnout. And, you know, self-care is a really big part of this for me as well. So like I said, I've got my morning routine, but I love little self-care practices, whether it is saying no, whether it is going for a walk, spending time in nature, sitting outside in the sun, with a coffee in the morning before work day begun, like absolute bliss for me. Um, Spending time reading, um, spending time just doing nothing, watching a movie, um, lighting my candles and having flowers at home and just just being still. Um, There's so many little things like that. You know, obviously when we weren't in lockdown, 
ways that I love to self-care was centered around like beauty treatments and going to the infrared sauna and all of these kinds of things. I've just looked for new ways that I can kind of bring in that self-care into my life. And a lot of it is things that are really free and like don't cost a lot of money or could just cost like $10, like a coffee and a croissant in the sunshine. And I'm like in heaven or going for a swim in the ocean free, like doesn't cost anything. I feel amazing from it. Um, so there's so many little self-care strategies, um, that really do work. And I really, the fundamental shift for me has been learning to build that into my day rather than waiting you know, three months or six months to take a break. Um, I'm building in those breaks into every day and every week. And the results have been enormous and it genuinely has helped me to slow down more during the week. It's helped take that pressure off. It's helped me to recharge and recuperate my batteries before each workday or work week begins. So there you have it. They are my key self-care strategies to avoid end of year burnout. So just to summarize, number one is to learn to say no and to create boundaries and discipline around the things that you're going to do and the things that you're not going to do. The second one is to utilize your Outlook and your iPhone calendars and to start scheduling everything in, including time to take a lunch break, time to self-care. And the third and final one is to outsource tasks that don't make sense for you to hold on to. So I hope that you found this episode useful and interesting. If you did, then take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram at Hills underscore and let me know what you took away from this episode so I can reshare it and um, make sure to share this episode with a friend, family member, someone in your network, someone that you work with, that you think could really benefit from learning about how to avoid end of year burnout, particularly at this time of year where we do have so much going on. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button and also rate and review the Boston Hills podcast on Apple Podcasts. And also make sure to check out my new YouTube video and new YouTube channel, Boss in Hills TV. I'll pop the link for that in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. And um, until next time, bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Boss in Heels podcast. Be sure to visit bossinheels.com for a ton of information, resources, and articles on all things career and personal development. And subscribe to this podcast for all future episodes.